Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. This is How Do You Do That with Emily Tresseter on Joy 94.9, the show answering the questions you didn't even know you had. This week's guest is a theatre director and lighting designer, Alexander Balage. We chat about what drew him to lighting design, how his career path has almost been a full circle from childhood, and why theatre and the arts generally are so very important and why we need to value them. Theatre is important because it's kind of, it is kind of like a version of a church for the non-religious. When I sort of say that, it's sort of, it's a moment where you can gather with a bunch of strangers in the dark and you can all be exposed to the same moment, the same idea, the same provocation and feel that incredible moment where you all are heartbroken, feel that incredible moment where you all share the same elation or happiness in those moments you're able to actually realize how beautifully insignificant you are and that is significant it's a point of touching base both with yourself but with the world and having a conversation but also kind of opening your mind in ways that only art can lighting designer and director alex Bellage. to get our chat started i asked alex how long he's been a lighting designer since the since 2014, I'd say, yeah. So what is that? That's like seven, eight years, maybe. Yeah, awesome. I mean, you know, including the pandemic or not including the pandemic. So there's a year somewhere lost in there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like everyone, we've all yeah. just not aged a single year. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> it's great. Didn't need Botox, you know. <laughs> and what about directing? Directing's newer, right? Yeah, so I started as a lighting designer. Well, I mean, I started my professional career as a lighting designer, and sort of like halfway through my career as a lighting designer I decided that I just you know wanted to also do something else you know just to kind of mix things up a little bit so I went back and studied at drama school in Sydney and uh, came out as a director so yeah I've been a director now since since the end of 2016 as well so you know past four to five years. Did you always know that lighting design I mean, obviously directing came after. So did you always know that you wanted to be a lighting designer? It's like a fun little story. It's like kind of like, let's open up like the sort of the picture book memoir sort of of my life, I suppose. I probably started like my life as a director and then kind of went on this like crazy little sort of like journey to then end up again as a director. So when I was like, you know, maybe four, five, six or something, I loved performing and I loved kind of like putting on little shows. like. Basically every single time there'd be like some sort of like dinner party that my parents would have with friends over or like a barbecue, there would always be like some sort of performance that I would sort of like put on for everyone or like sort of just curate or make. There would always be some sort of theatrical event. and Love then it that. Kind of got, I know, it's so silly. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> how did she stay in the closet for so long? So then it got to the stage where my dad and myself, we kind of worked together and kind of made this little stage in the backyard. The deck of the stage was these 
backyard furniture benches. There was this proscenium. So proscenium is essentially like the sort of the framing around the sort of the opening of, a, of like a stage. So we made this sort of like proscenium out of kind of spare wood. And then like the curtains were like tarpaulins. And then the backdrop was like a Star Wars Episode Five bed sheet. And then what? it was like a mirror ball like hanging from like hanging sort of in the middle of the proscenium. And so like I do all these little sort of like shows. And I think my one of my favorite, most memorable shows, and I've actually got like a little picture of it, um, which I think is just the most hilarious thing, was a tribute to the Sydney 2000 Olympics opening ceremony, <gasps> which I managed to convince all of the kids from my street to also be involved with. So I've got this like picture of me like standing like, proud like ready to go in like you know like a a purple shirt holding this like cardboard torch and I'm pretty sure that like Vanessa Amorossi was playing in that moment (laughs) but like you know so they like love putting on these little shows and then my parents were like okay we've got a performer on our hands and maybe you know he should go and do like dance school or something so then I went and kind of did, you know, dance school after hours and sort of, you know, basically kind of did more and more dance and started to kind of go down the path of, you know, being like a dancer kid. And then I kind of got into performing arts high school for dance where you did like two hours a day of dance and then you did your your sort of normal high school. And during high school, I sort of, you know, then went into sort of acting and more performing and kind of went on this journey of kind of being the performer while simultaneously getting more and more interested in art and design and sort of all of the other things that, you know, you would, you would get exposed to in, in a high school. And then by the end of high school, I was really interested more in the, in the holistic creation of theatre again and sort of ended up going to a technical theatre course where you'd learn like stage management, producing, like all of the kind of technical designs. Because uh, that's what my interest started to really be in, and then sort of I went to yeah study that in um in uni, and and then sort of got pooped out as a um as a lighting designer because it seemed like the perfect sort of synthesis <laughs> of you know my desire for making theatre, but also my heavy interest in design and art and and photography kind of put everything all in in one an interesting way, and then after working for a while. As a lighting designer, I kind of started to get that sort of little twitch and urge that I wanted to kind of do more and wanted to make more. And I had these ideas I wanted to share and sort of ended up kind of going back to directing. So it is kind of this like weird back to where I started of sorts, except now I have, yeah, this like weird full circle, I suppose. Firstly, I just got to say that stage sounds incredible. Oh, it's so, it was so fun. And then my dad and my dad and me, we also, there was this tree in the backyard and we also built a cubby house. The cubby house was called the studio back lot. <gasps> I love it. Honestly, that's so cool. Yeah, so and I love that the Olympic opening ceremony was <laughs> what it was, yeah. like that peak performance in that yeah. space. I was obsessed with that ceremony as well. <laughs> oh my God. It's like, it's like, I actually feel like it's so, it was influential in sort of like who I, how I can see, like considered like what theatre can be, like seeing just like theatre and performance on such a massive scale and so kind of bold and out there. And it, it, I think it was so incredible. I think, yeah, I def- definitely think like, you know, my, my generation really, really holds that sort of moment in our history as like being something very special. A hundred percent. I totally agree. Could not agree more. You've gone on this full circle journey. You started <laughs> as a child director. You've gone, you've gone through the motions. You've done some dancing. You've then done lighting design. And then we, we bring 
you all the way back to directing. Do you think that the elements of the dancing and then the lighting design and now back to directing, do you think they influence each other? Yeah, they do. Look, I feel like I am a better lighting designer for being a director and I'm a better director for having been a lighting designer. And, and, and you know, and every everything influences each other because at the end of the day, like the job as the director is essentially to be like the curator of ideas and the decoder of the of the story of sorts. So your job is to be kind of audience member number one, and you need to work out how to actually bring everything together. So there's that benefit because the more that you understand about all of the different departments and all of the different elements that go into making a piece of theatre, the better because you, you know in greater detail what your palette is. And I suppose the other sort of flip side with, with me in particular with my knowledge of both lighting and directing is they actually require very similar demands, I suppose, because you know a job of a lighting designer is to essentially tell the audience what to see, where, you know, where to look, how to see something, where not to look, and also the tempo and momentum at, at which we move through the piece in terms of you look at that person at that exact moment, or you kind of slowly sort of fade over to that person, or you slowly fade from this moment to that moment. It's a very similar kind of world to being a director where you're, you're basically trying to kind of curate the audience experience, which is, you know, yeah, essentially what a lighting designer does in, in basic terms. And then they, I guess, work together and you've got both of those oh, minds totally. in the one mind. <laughs> totally. And yeah, and there's certain, you know, there's, I kind of work in sort of three different ways. I'll either just lighting design a show and work with another director or I'll just direct a show and work with another lighting designer. Or there'll be instances where I'll both direct and lighting design a show. It's so interesting how those differing approaches require very much different parts of your brain, but also just they're always asking the same the same demands of you. You're, you always have to be incredibly switched on and thinking about the sort of the emotional momentum and the and the sort of the rhythm of the show, regardless of, of kind of, yeah, what uh, set of shoes you have on at the time. What exactly is lighting design? Like when do you start on a production? When does the lighting designer come in? I love it because this is actually like one of my favorite questions to get asked because it's so tricky to answer and I still haven't quite worked out perfect way to describe it so look i'll, I'll have an i'll have another go now and <laughs> hopefully I this apologize. could be it this is the moment hopefully maybe this is the moment where i finally uh, work out how to very uh, succinctly describe <laughs> my job so i think the way to describe it is without a lighting designer you wouldn't see anything on the stage like at its at its fundamentals so you'll go see wicked you'll go see hamilton and if the lighting designer didn't exist you would just be hearing a bunch of incredibly talented actors stumbling around in the dark you know that's probably sound really good but you would like you'd see nothing there would be no images it would basically be a radio play and so the job of the lighting designer is essentially in in these dark rooms that we call theaters it's to kind of create the illusion of another world, another time, another place. And, you know, you use all of these different tools to basically, yeah, create the sort of this, this illusion of being somewhere else. So my, my job as a, a lighting designer sort of can start anywhere along the sort of timeline of a project. But I'd say sort of as a general sort of rule of thumb, it probably starts maybe about like a year before the project actually happens and involved in conversations with like the set designer and director as you try and work out what 
the aesthetic world of the show is. What are we trying to say with it? What are we, how do we bring this text to stage in this venue within this budget with the sort of the parameters that we have? And, uh, and then the set designer will sort of create the set design. I'll work with them to work out ways that we light it. And when I say ways that we light it, it's where can I put various different lights up above to the side within the set? To help sort of illuminate both the set and the actors. And these aren't like your average household lamps. Like I'm not going to Ikea and I'm not buying a bunch of like clicky LED, you know, <laughs> lights and putting them everywhere. There's, there's these particular sort of high powered lights. So, you know, generally a light that you would use to light something up on the stage would would probably be about like 10 to 20 to even like, you know, 100 times brighter than your average sort of light bulb. Sure. Um, and then it's in, in a particular sort of lighting fixture that has all these mirrors inside, which basically makes the beam much brighter and then also points it in a particular direction. So they're very directional sort of sources. So you have a, a grid and a sort of theater that's just filled with, you know, hundreds of these lights, which are kind of focused and, and colored to do particular, to do particular moments and light the set and the actors in particular ways. So that's, essentially my job and you know when we finally get into the theater to sort of put the show on I sort of focus these lights and then I plot these lights with the director going through from the top of the show through to the end of the show and sculpting these moments you know and then we rehearse it with the cast and then we open the show and then I go away onto the next show. How hands-on are lighting designers generally? Are you actually physically moving the lights around? As a, a lay person, I know that a costume designer would draw their costumes and a stage mm. designer and a set designer would draw their set as well. How do you map out lighting design? I imagine it would be hard to draw. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I mean, like sometimes you can draw it, like, uh, but it is, it's so hard to describe because it is so ephemeral. Like lighting design is one of the few theatrical art forms that only can exist really in the context of the production. The costumes still exist once the show finishes. The set can still exist in some ways once the show is finished. The sound design can still exist and be played on other speakers, although, you know, not in its full glory. But the lights, like the lights only can, the lighting design can only really exist in the theatre with with the elements together. So it's so hard to kind of really communicate the lighting before you get to the theatre. So there's often has to be a lot of trust between the lighting designer and director to make sure that you're on the same page. Because when you get to plotting in Tech Week, that's the first time, like I know even for myself, you actually see what the lighting is doing. I mean, uh, beforehand to sort of to, you know, make sure you are getting on the same page, there's a lot of reference image sharing. I mean, like, I Pinterest like nothing else, you know, to try and find kind of this colour temperature. It's kind of this level of kind of hazy or smoky. It's it's this kind of brightness. It's this colour. So you kind of share all, like, sort of reference images to kind of find it. And then also, you know, at times you might be able to kind of draw sort of general kind of like, oh, we want the beams to come from this angle, the beams of light. And then with bigger budget productions, there are options where you can pre-visualise the lighting sure. on the computers. So there's kind of like, once again, it's kind of like a, a fab computer game where someone will make a 3D render of the set and put it in the computer. And then they will also put a 3D kind of uh, representation of the lighting grid into this computer. And you can, when you, when you type into the lighting console, this light you want it to turn on in blue, then it will do it 
on the screen. And so you can do that to try and do like more high tech creations of lighting designs, but that's mostly in the sort of the big budget musical live music sort of world that you sort of use that sort of software, not so much your kind of conventional theatre. I think it's incredible that there is that element of trust. And I also think it's so magical that it's such an intangible art form. When you Mm. mentioned that once the show's over, the lighting design is done, basically. That's such a, an interesting and, and cool concept, I think. You know, it's it's one of those things where you really just need to be in that moment. And if you're not in the moment, sorry, you missed it. Oh, totally. And I mean, you know, that, that's not to say that, you know, like there's, there's like drawn up plans and computer show file and photographs of it. So it still, like, it still does exist, but it is, it is one of the, yeah, the few, the few forms that is just in truly ephemeral. And I suppose I kind of love that. And I think it's, it is quite, quite a metaphor for, for theatre and why I think, you know, why I love working in theatre and why I suppose so many other people, you know, love it as well. That element of like, you have to be in the room where it happens, to quote Hamilton. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, Hamilton said it the best. <laughs> you have had such an illustrious career already. Did you ever imagine that to be the case? Yeah, I don't know. I suppose you kind of dream of, you know, doing fab things when you're a, a, a little kid but I've I've never really had goals I suppose I've never really done the sort of the dream chart of like must get an Oscar when I'm 30 or you know (laughs) or must do this by 27 you know like or like I've I've always approached kind of life that leading by intuition uh, and not by goal setting so every single moment that a point of decision occurs or a point of potential or change I kind of just trust my gut that this is the right thing and it will lead me to to something good that I will find fulfilling or interesting and it's never let me down. So I, I suppose that's the that's the kind of the way I approach things. Is I, I always, I, I have such trust in my gut and my intuition that I feel like that's the best way to kind of approach my life and my career because if I try and make concrete goals of, I want this or I want that. I'm always going to be disappointed. But if I just trust that I'm going to end up where I, you know, should and where I want, then it's never going to do you wrong. And especially in times where the best made plans kind of can go out the window in a, in a heartbeat, particularly in this context, it's, I think it's the best way to sort of look at things. It's evident almost in your story and the sort of picture book moment that we went through. You, you have taken steps in certain directions and you've lived that experience and then that's taken you in a different direction and you kind of just like go with the ebb and flow. Kind of, it's the typical sort of, you know, in, in like acting in theatre, it's kind of in any sort of moment of improvisation as an actor, you should always say yes and. So I suppose I live my life being yes and, you know. So Alex Bellage, yes ands in his life. I asked him a really big question now. Why is theatre important? The thing that I think is so important about theatre is it's one of the few moments in our lives where we can actually switch off from the world, put our phones away, not reply to emails, not have the conversations about COVID or, you know, whatever. In In this hour, two hours, we're actually switching off from the bubble bubble of our daily lives but also simultaneously examining our own lives and our world with a higher definition than we have when we've been in the trance from our day-to-day lives and our own rituals. 
obviously theatre is important for all of the, the things that we've just mentioned, but why is what you do important to you personally? I suppose the reason why it's important to me personally is I kind of can't imagine doing anything else. And I think that's just the honest answer. Like last year, you know, when like, you know, the theatre industry looked like it was kind of like, it was quite dead. Like I did the thing where I was like, I'm going to go and like jobseeker.com and I'm going to like look for it. Like I'm just going to like kind of just have a little look and see what other jobs I could do. And I was like going through pretty much the entire website, looking at every single different job I could maybe do. I was like, maybe I could do marketing or like maybe I could do customer service. Maybe I could do sales. Maybe, maybe I would be a, like a really amazing barista or like whatever. I was going through like all of these different potential career paths. And I suppose I realized that this is actually, this is, this is the only thing I really want to do and this is kind of this is for me and it brings this strange sense of joy but also heartache but also elation and also obsession and it's kind of I'm in like a committed like long-term relationship with theatre I suppose I, I, I can't imagine life without it that's why I do it, you know, and at times it's like an abusive relationship. At times it's, it's incredible and it, but it, it, there's an urge that it satisfies and there's an intrigue that it continues to poke and unravel that means that it feels like I'm doing the right thing. What you do from what we've been talking about is really wonderful and quite validating, but I'm sure there are moments that aren't so great. What do you think the worst part about what you do is? When you look at when you're starting off as a theatre artist, it's so, it's so relentless. I think I kind of, when you, when you really look at the amount of hours you have to, you work as an emerging theatre artist and the amount of money you end up with as a result of it, it's like well below (laughs) the minimum wage. And there's so many people working in the theatre at the moment and it's so tough. And I think the thing that I constantly, you know, it, it saddens me is, you know, and this is not, not a new thought by any means is, is just, you know, how the, the government and a lot of our greater society don't value the arts as much as, you know, they, they really should. And so that, I think there's times like that where you just like, it gets you, it gets you incredibly down when you see, you know, oh, submarines or state, you know, stadiums and you're just like, ah, oh. You know, you just see like money, you know, being uh, splashed around on these things, and you're like, really? I feel, you know, I really. Don't. So I think it's it's moments where you feel like a, like a handbag accessory, where like people only want you when you're looking pretty and you're going to make them look good, but they don't want you at your ugliest, and they don't want to have to deal with the fact that it's tough to make you happy. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, yeah. I suppose that's the, that's the kind of the thing, and I mean that like in the metaphor of the the industry it, itself and the way that society sometimes treats the arts and you I mean also my job as a director is, is to at times essentially put my heart and my soul and my opinions and my worldview on stage and say here you are this is a gift to you or this is this is me just kind of provoking you but also judge me and criticize me and and so, you know, if, if I'm not putting my heart on stage and if I'm not putting my, my everything on stage, I don't think I'm being a true artist or theatre maker. On the flip side of that, has there been a moment or moments that you can think of in your career thus far that have really validated what you do? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, we did our production of American Psycho the Musical at the Hayes back in 2019. And, you know, that, that was like the, the second musical I ever sort of worked on. It received really well by audiences and, and then sold out the season. And then at the, the Sydney Theatre Awards, we were lucky to essentially win all nine awards that we were nominated for and then, you know, able in uh, 2021 to do a season at the Opera House. And it's like, how did that happen? Like, you're just like, what? And, you know, and so there's those little sort of milestones where you're just like, uh-huh, okay, yeah, cool. That iconic building, great. That's fabulous. You know, a little homosexual who grew up in like Croydon Park and did his, you know, little performances in the backyard with the, um, <laughs> you know, to Vanessa Amorossi with a bunch of kids is now directing a show about a psychopath murderer who's also a Wall Street banker. Great. And it's at the Opera House. Great. You know? Before I let Alex go, I had one last question. Do you think that you'll be doing this forever? Oh, to go back to my previous sort of thinking is who knows? And I suppose in my current position and in my current mindset, I can see myself doing this for a while. But like I said, intuition and gut instinct always are very much drivers in my decision making. And, you know, we'll see what the world reveals or puts in front of me as to whether that is a reality or not. I'm loving it. And I and currently I'm one of the co-artistic directors of The Old Fits in Sydney. And I'm really enjoying that working with Catherine Van Davies and Constantine Costi and so, you know, there's, there's, there's worlds where sort of you start to, to look that 20, 30 years or however, whenever it feels right, sort of work with next gen of artists and sort of find ways to kind of continue to evolve and shift and change theatre. It's been so wonderful chatting to Alexander Bellage about the importance of the arts and how lighting design not only very practically lights a show, but can be used to emote, excite and pull focus. I'd like to extend a huge thank you to Alex for being on the show and chatting to me about how he's really been on a full circle directing journey since childhood. And as always, an extra big thank you to you for listening. I so appreciate the support and I would love if you could continue to spread the word about this show. If you love it, link it to someone who you think would like it too. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of How Do You Do That with Emily Tresider. If you think you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, get in touch. Email howdoyoudothat at joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.